Welcome to Behind the Music, the Houston Chamber Choir's weekly podcast. I'm Sinjin Flynn. In this episode, we're joined by Brian Cook, who is Director of Choral Activities at Briarcliff University in Sioux City, Iowa. And he was the first ever Houston Chamber Choir choral conducting intern in the 2018-2019 season. Brian, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you, Sinjin, and with the Chamber Choir community. And where are you right now? I am coming to you from Sioux City, Iowa. This is uh, my office, um, and I am at Briarcliff University, uh, where I teach choral ensembles and conducting courses. Now, I mentioned that you were the first ever uh, conducting intern with the Houston Chamber Choir. Tell us about that program. What, what was it involved? What did it involve? And what was that experience like for you? Boy, uh, it was a career jump starter for sure. Um, my experience with the Chamber Choir began with uh, Bob Simpson. He reached out to my professor, uh, Dr. Betsy Cook Weber, um, and uh, invited applications for uh, the position at the Chamber Choir. Uh, I was able to go and interview um, with Bob and with Miriam. And um, it was just a fantastic experience uh, from the very beginning. Um, such a warm welcome, a very um, just genuine uh, atmosphere to work in. And uh, it was wonderful to get to know the singers. My responsibilities with the Chamber Choir uh, included both artistic responsibilities as well as administrative responsibilities. And I had the great pleasure to uh, conduct the choir. Uh, I think in almost every performance, um, I was, Bob would allow me to take a piece from the ground up. Um, and I was able to uh, rehearse the piece with the singers um, and, and then take it to the concert and perform it in the concert uh, with, the, with the choir, which was just um, a remarkable experience. And then uh, behind the scenes, I had the great privilege to speak or to, to work rather with Miriam in the office. And of course, the main thrust of my work there was with um, the Houston Chamber Choir Youth Ambassadors. And I should say that uh, Miriam is Miriam Kilili, who is the, the managing director of the choir. You were studying at the time, you were studying for your uh, DMA, for your doctorate at the Moore School of Music um, under Dr. Betsy Cook Weber. And you were involved with some of the Moore School choirs, weren't you? Particularly, I think the men's, the men's choir. That's correct, yes. What was it like going from a university ensemble like that to a professional ensemble like the Houston Chamber Choir? You know, it was an interesting adjustment. It was my first time um, conducting a professional ensemble. The level of singers that we were working with was far beyond anything that I had worked with before. And, uh, and it, it really helped me understand, okay, I can, I can start from this place instead of from another place and we can proceed from that point forward. Um, and it was just, uh, it, was, it was kind of my first wake up call. <laughs> but I mean, a tremendous uh, learning opportunity, a tremendous realization 
um, of what those differences are and how you could proceed as a as a conductor. Absolutely, and I, you know, you you begin to as a conductor, you begin to think of things that maybe with other ensembles you you wouldn't be able to do, or you wouldn't maybe think that you could get to that level or to that point, but you begin to be a little bit more judicious in, in what you ask for. You become a little bit more, um, you dream a little bit bigger, you know, well, maybe we could do it this way. I'll bet these singers can pull that off. And sure enough, I mean, um, anything I asked from the chamber choir, uh, they were able to just take it and run with it. And, and so much of what they did just came intuitively. And um, it really was um, unlike anything that I've ever conducted before. Also, you got to conduct the choir, as you said, in uh, every performance throughout uh, that season, um, including Christmas at the Villa, that wonderful yes. Christmas tradition at the Villa de Mattel. What was that experience like? Because that is such a awe-inspiring venue, isn't it? Oh, it is amazing. And we had the opportunity that performance to work with the Apollo Chamber um, Ensemble. And uh, and I had the privilege of conducting um, a piece that included that quartet. Um, and uh, I also had the privilege that concert of conducting my own piece uh, that I had arranged, an, an arrangement of Singly Now of Christmas. Um, and it was so wonderful to, um, to be able to bring that arrangement to life with an ensemble um, with the likes of the chamber choir. Um, and that setting is just so intimate and so gorgeous. Um, it's truly one of the best venues uh, to sing in in the Houston area. Now, you were working with some of the Moore School of Music ensembles and under the tutelage really of, of Dr. Betsy Cook Weber, who is on the faculty at the Moore School. She's also the uh, choral director, the chorus director for the Houston Symphony. And she has led the, certainly the Moore School Concert Chorale to international awards. I mean, they've traveled all over and you have been part of that. What though did you learn from Robert Simpson, the artistic director of the Houston Chamber Choir, because it is a different setting, as you said. You're moving from a, uh, a highly uh, qualified university ensemble to a, a professional ensemble. What did you learn from Bob? From Bob, I learned so much. Um, first and foremost, um, musical, ideas, musical vision. Um, it was so wonderful to watch him and observe him. I just would set up camp in the back of the rehearsal um, and I had my scores out in front of me and I would try to, uh, as, as Bob was working, I would be listening to the choir and I'd play this game with myself where I would say, okay, if I was up in Bob's position right now, you know, what would I be addressing or what would I be, you know, what, where would I stop? What would I rehearse? And, um, and so often I thought that he was going to go one way and something to me that I, I thought needed help. Uh, and it turns out that he had another plan. And, and, uh, and when I went home and would reflect on that, I 
could see the wisdom in why he addressed one thing and not the thing that I that I was hearing, for example. Mm -hmm. But more than that, um, I learned how to be a genuine person. Uh, Bob is just so warm and um, kind. Um, and I learned how to the, the tenacity uh, that Bob has. I remember some rehearsals uh, <laughs> scratching my head and wondering, boy, are we going to be able to pull this off? And Bob would just, he would just plow right on and with the vision and with the determination, and he would inspire those singers. Um, and sure enough, um, the performances were just, they always just went off uh, without a hitch. And, um, and that vision and that tenacity to um, seek for excellence, no matter how you're feeling today or no matter um, what the conditions may be, is it raining outside or, you know, whatever it may, may be, um, the tenacity to just push forward and, and do it for the music and for the love of music was uh, definitely one of the biggest lessons that I, that I uh, learned with Bob. Getting a bit technical, I suppose, but, but uh, humor me. With Bob, what did you learn about, um, I guess, in, in orchestral conducting, they call stick technique. But of course, you don't, uh, most choral conductors don't use a baton. What did you learn from Bob in terms of actually being in front of the choir? I've learned from Bob that uh, that when you're in front of the choir, you need to know exactly what it is, um, you know, what that aural picture of the sound is that you want. Um, I remember him often um, stopping to fix intonation that to my ears was uh, pretty good. But um, as again, it was one of those things where the longer I watched Bob work um, and the more that I heard him rehearse with with the ensemble, the more I was able to hear more of the things that he was hearing. I'm not sure that I ever heard everything that he heard, but um, but I really felt as though he had a way of, of working with that ensemble in, in, in terms of the intonation uh, and the aural picture of, of what he had in his in his uh, in his mind um, and how and how he was going to achieve that goal. So what do you think you've taken? What are the, the, the big lessons that you've taken from that internship with the chamber choir to Briarcliff University? The biggest lesson I would say is the professionalism, um, the, the need to be prepared for every rehearsal, the need for each singer to know their part, the need for every singer to use the very best technique that they know. And, um, and these are applicable no matter what choir I'll work with in my future, whether it's here at Briarcliff or anywhere else. Um, having the opportunity to work with the creme de la creme is um, life-changing because it shows you what musicians are capable of doing. And so now, armed with that knowledge, I'm able to go forward and inspire, hopefully, my own students towards a greater professional end and, uh, and help them become um, even better musicians. You studied for your bachelor's degree in music education at Brigham Young University, Idaho. And then you taught high school. And then you came to the University of Houston, to the Moore School of Music, to work on your master's in choral conducting and then your doctorate 
in choral conducting. So you've worked sort of all the um, iterations, really. You've got yes. um, high school ensemble, university ensembles, and professional ensembles. When you look back on your years as a high school choir director, what stands out most in your mind about that experience? The students stand out in my mind. Um, you know, we get into this business, I think, a lot because we're people, we're people persons, we're people people. And um, we enjoy the opportunity to make an impact on other people's lives. And we do that through our art, through the music, through uh, the performances, through the events, the, the galas, um, the opportunities to, um, to interact with a cultural association. We do it because we love people, uh, we love our communities, and um, I, I just remember my students from my years teaching high school um, and the, the wonderful performances we had. Uh, I was in charge of producing the school musical and uh, was in charge of doing all of the, the choreography, the, the, um, the technical oh, really? issues, the teaching the music, directing the orchestra, building the set, I mean, you name it. And, and I would hire people to come in and help me accomplish uh, that whole project. But, um, but, you know, working that closely with young people was just always a great passion of mine. And, uh, and one that I hope to continue even as I move on to uh, collegiate level teaching um, I think that it all begins in the secondary schools and really uh, the elementary schools, if, if we want to be frank. So um, being able to work with the students um, is just a, a great passion of mine. What were some of the musicals that you put on? Well, uh, we put on uh, my favorite was the Pirates of Penzance, uh, which oh, really? some may not actually put in the musical category. Um, but uh, if you know the, the piece by Gilbert and Sullivan, uh, it is just delightful from beginning to end. And, uh, and I remember approaching that year that we performed the Pirates of Penzance, and it is, it is pretty vocally demanding on, on a few characters in particular. And, you know, uh, I went through the score and I, and I studied the, the, the work and I thought, oh, I, I think I have a Mabel. Oh, I think I, you know, I, I have a, a, a pirate king. And I think I have, you know, and I, and I just started to see, wow, I think I could put this on. Um, and it just was such a, a, a joy, uh, such a funny show, uh, full of twists and turns. And I, I just loved it. What did the students think of it? Because it must have been a, a sort of a, um, a cultural uh, revelation for them not just in, in terms of, of era, but also um, heritage, because it's, it's British rather than uh, American, rather than Broadway. That's correct. Yeah, and when, you're, when your neighboring high schools are doing things like, um, you know, Hairspray and High School Musical, yeah, the and the Shrek, Piazza and, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, and then they say, what are you doing? And they say, we're doing the Pirates of Penzance. Um, you know, I think the first thing other people think is Pirates of the Caribbean, and, um, <laughs> which is quite different. And uh -huh. uh, so, but I'll, I'll say that every, every choice that I made as an educator was with a pedagogical... Um, goal in mind. And so, it, you know, 
I didn't choose a musical or repertoire for that matter in my choir ensembles. I didn't choose a musical based on what was in vogue or what, um, what I thought maybe the kids would really like to, to do. I chose musicals that I thought would have an instructional purpose behind them. Um, and uh, for example, the Pirates of Penzance has uh, no spoken dialogue, or if there is, it's very little. And uh, the whole thing is sung from beginning to end. And I thought it was a great opportunity to uh, reinforce the, the technique that I was trying to teach in the classroom. I thought it was a great opportunity to speak about operettas um, and, and um, to kind of introduce that idea. We had surtitles um, at the top of this proscenium so that the audience could, you know, follow along uh, with the storyline. And, and uh, it was a great opportunity to introduce that. I remember uh, there's a few scenes where there's an offstage chorus um, when the pirates are coming in to storm the castle. And, uh, and we set up a, a video relay to the, to the back, uh, to one of our TV screens in the back, so that the uh, students who were singing in the back could see my conducting and, um, and, and everything would come together, which is what they do in the professional world. So it was a really great opportunity to expose my students to some of those aspects of um, musical production or dr dramatic pr productions that uh, you may not see when you are doing other, other shows, you know, The Music Man or um, Oklahoma or things like that. I think one thing that a lot of people might not appreciate is that when you're conducting uh, an ensemble like the Houston Chamber Choir, there is very much a sense of, of theatricality involved in those performances. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's entertainment and um, nobody wants to buy a ticket to go and see a boring choir, um, no matter how good the choir might sound. And mm -hmm. what I loved about um, about the performances, particularly think of, you know, uh, Miller Outdoor Theater and the performances uh, that we would do there. Um, we also did the Minotti, the, um, with, with some of the dancers and, you know, there is a very, you know, you're telling a story, you are, uh, this, this music comes with text and with words that we need to convey the message of. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you very much have to be involved with your face, with your whole body, and uh, you need to, to communicate the message of the piece, much like you would if you were an actor on a stage. Let's go back to the beginning. Um, where does your musical story begin? You were you were born in uh, Denver, the, the Denver area in Colorado. Were you part of a musical family? Uh, yes, I, I was. Um, my mother began teaching me piano lessons when I was about, uh, I'd say, you know, four or five. When you when you wow. begin learning to recognize letters and and start learning how to read a little bit. Um, she taught piano, boy, she must have had uh, 30, 35, 40 students some years, um, oh, wow. and the piano was just always busy. Uh, before school, she would teach two or three lessons. Um, after school, she was always teaching till, you know, six o'clock at night, and dinner was in the oven, and she'd, you know, finish her lessons, and then we'd eat together. Um, my father 
studied music as a minor in college. Uh, and he, for the first 14 years of my life, he uh, was the conductor of a community choir in the Denver area. And they did, they accomplished quite a bit uh, for a community choir, uh, singing at the Mahler Fest in Boulder um, and collaborating with um, community orchestras and um, other, other ensembles throughout uh, the state of Colorado. Um, and so, you know, I kind of grew up going to those concerts and watching him walk down the aisle in, in his tuxedo. And, and uh, it, was, it was just, you know, I look back at it now and I think, yeah, I think that had a major influence on, on who I became. When I was in second grade, my, uh, my parents saw an ad in the paper because we used to get newspapers delivered to our door. And uh, the ad was for uh, auditions to sing in the Colorado Children's Chorale. And uh, so they signed me up for an audition. I, I was always singing around the house and, you know, had a tune in my head. And I have to say that, uh, that as a member of the Colorado Children's Chorale, um, that experience probably more than any other experience uh, that I can pinpoint uh, had a direct influence on who I became as a musician. Um, I entered in the second grade. I sang soprano one from second grade through eighth grade. And, um, and then at eighth grade, you graduate out of the corral. Um, with that ensemble, we had opportunities to tour to Taiwan and South Korea, England, France, Brazil, um, and collaborate with artists at uh, the Aspen Music Festival um, and with many of the operas. It's, it, the, the corral actually began as an opera, um, you know, a children's chorus for an opera. And mm -hmm. so we had strong ties with the opera companies in the Denver area, um, and I performed in a few of those. Um, you know, working with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra, um, Marin Alsop, uh, who was the conductor at the time, and uh, just being exposed, you know, singing for presidents, former presidents, for religious leaders, you know, the, the Dalai Lama, the Pope, um, you know, these kinds of experiences as an elementary school or a middle schooler just really um, have, a, have a profound impact on, on your life, no matter who you become. Mm. And so, um, you know, following the corral, I was able to work with them as a high school student um, and would be in charge of a lot of the administrative or, you know, logistical things like setting up risers or, you know, setting out the water or the snack or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, I remember traveling with them as a high school student to uh, to England, where we performed at the proms uh, in Royal Albert Hall. Um, oh, really? And, you know, yes, uh, with the South End Boys Choir, nonetheless. And it was just so uh, wonderful to, you know, so many different uh, different experience that I was, experiences that I was exposed to um, that I look back now and I know without a doubt that that's when I became, um, you know, that, that was the beginnings of who I became as a musician. Um, so it so was, was just there, a great area to, to be in. Was there ever any doubt that when you went to college, you were going to be a music major? Actually, yes. Uh, when, I, really? when I entered college, uh, I don't know that anybody had ever told me about being a major in anything. Uh, and so <laughs> when I, I, I think when I put my application in for college, you know, I liked to talk to people and things and I put down a communications major. I, you know, I didn't know. 
of course, I was enrolled in one of the choir classes uh, on, on campus, one of the ensembles. And, uh, and so I show up the first week to college and I'm, you know, enrolled in some communication courses, uh, but I'm also enrolled in the choir. And it hit me after like the first week in school. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I want to be a musician, you know? I was so inspired by um, my mentors at, at BYU-Idaho. And um, I said, that's who I want to be. I don't, you know, enough of the communications business. I want to get back, you know, in, in music. So I don't think that it was intentional. I never had to think in my brain, you know, like, what do I want to be? Um, but it was kind of a fluke that I signed up to be a communications major when really all along my passion and my, my love um, was in music. Musical communication. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> you, uh, when you graduated, you went on to teach uh, high school in the, I think in the Denver area. Um, and then you decided to go back to school to do graduate work. Why did you decide on conducting, choral conducting? Well, um, well, so the sequence of events is that I, when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I, I knew that I wanted to pursue my education. And I was married um, and we had a child on the way. And I knew that it would be important to get my education jump started as soon as I could. And so following my bachelor's degree, I actually uh, enrolled right away at the University of Houston. And, um, and so I did my master's degree immediately after my bachelor's degree. Um, okay. and, and that experience for me was, you know, I had been so inspired by, by my collegiate directors. Uh, I just knew that I wanted one day to get a doctorate degree. And um, I knew that if that was gonna happen because I was starting my family and, you know, certain things begin to happen once, that, once, once you get to that point, I needed to get my education jump started, and so with my supportive wife and a new baby in tow, uh, we moved from Idaho to Houston, and I started teaching, uh, or I started studying with Dr. Charles Hausman um, at the time, and uh, spent my two years uh, working with him, and of course with Dr. Weber, and uh, following that um, is when I got my first job uh, teaching in the Houston area, um, actually. For middle school, I taught two years of middle school and a year of high school in the Houston area and moved back to Colorado and taught some high school in Colorado as well. Um, and the whole experience was such a, um, it was it was such a, 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 a long road, but along the way, um, I knew I wanted to be a choral conductor from really from my undergraduate. Um, yeah. And I knew that the experience in the public school was going to be very valuable. Um, and in some ways, I missed that quite a bit. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to conduct. Um, I probably knew I wanted to conduct when I was walking around my undergraduate campus, singing heads, you know, singing uh, songs in my head and waving my arm <laughs> as I was conducting in, you know, the choir in my head and somebody honked. Uh, their horn on the street that I was walking on, and they made this this funny gesture to me, like, "What are you doing?" And I I was conducting, <laughs> I was conducting the choir in my head, so I knew I wanted to be a conductor from very very early on. And it seems like so much of your life education 
has been wrapped up in singing in choirs. I mean, you've you've traveled all over the world, um, both with the uh, the children's chorus in Colorado, but also with the uh, University of Houston Concert Chorale. You've been to competitions in Hungary and France, etc. So choral singing is, is at the very core of who you are. It really is. And, um, and you know, I often tell people, uh, if I didn't do music, I don't know what else I would do. Right. Um, you know, my interests are really not in, you know, I, I like to juggle and I like to ride a unicycle, but I don't think I want to go be a clown. <laughs> Um, you know, so there's these like kind of funny hobbies that I, that I enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, I could never see myself, um, you know, going to work, uh, in a cubicle. Um, I could never see myself going, I mean, I just don't see any other option for me. I, I, I kind of feel like the career chose me, um, right. and that I didn't necessarily pick the career because there was never one moment where I had to sit and say, what is it that I want to do with my life? I just, you know, I was just in choir, like that's just what I did. And, um, and I had the opportunity to work with just amazing people, um, amazing conductors, um, and have some pretty outstanding experiences as a young child. You obviously are wrapped up in music so much in, you know, every day. It's, it's what you do. Um, what about listening to music that you're not going to use professionally? What do you listen to just for pleasure, for enjoyment, or, or do you? You know, it's interesting because as I, as I speak with a number of musicians, I, I often find a similar response to that question, uh, and it's one that I, I tend to share, which is... Um, I don't listen to a whole lot for pleasure uh, in terms of, you know, um, in the car. I usually have some uh, podcast on or some, you know, or a lot of times it's just I drive in silence. Um, I don't find that the car is a very great place to listen to any kind of, of music just because of all the ro road noise and, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and when I'm at home, I, I enjoy uh, spending time with my family and, and, uh, and being with them. And, um, that's enough noise and, and, uh, and <laughs> enough sound as it is. And so, um, you know, we don't typically have, uh, you know, my wife, my children, they have their playlists and I really enjoy listening to their songs. Uh, but I can't really even tell you, uh, who's singing that, that song. I'm not really into, you know, pop music of any kind, or, um, I enjoy it. Uh, I don't mind listening to it. I just, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know the, the current sensations, I guess. So, um, you know, I just kind of stay to myself when I'm in my car or when I'm by myself and, um, I do, I just think and meditate and, and, uh, and pass my time that way. When you were growing up, did you buy music for yourself? Did you buy CDs? You're a CD child i'm i'm a i'm an lp child so. <laughs> that's right yeah i remember um you know going you know to the the bookstore that also sold cds and you could buy them 
Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot of that. I do remember, uh, however, um, a memory, well, two memories that come to mind with regard to that. Uh, my uncle, who has since passed away, uh, I played percussion and he took me to one of those stores that had just aisles and aisles of CDs and used CDs. And uh, he bought me a CD of Inagata da Vida and it has this amazing drum solo in there. And he just thought that I would love that. And I did love that. And I, I probably still have the CD. Uh, and every time I hear that piece, I think of my uncle who, who uh, bought me that CD. And, uh, and I also have a memory of going to the library myself, um, you know, riding my bike over to the public library. And uh, with my card, I checked out uh, George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and uh, took that CD home and put it in my CD player. And I must have listened to that piece just over and over on repeat, um, you know, nonstop. And it was um, and I just I'm fascinated by that piece. It's just such a, a great piece. And uh, so I do have memories of, you know, seeking out music. But even as a child, I was so surrounded, um, you know, with twice weekly rehearsals at the Children's Chorale. Um, you know, I, I was always just surrounded by by wonderful music, and I never really felt um, at that time the need to go and seek out more of it. Cool, right? I know what you mean about uh, Rhapsody in Blue. It was a somebody bought me when I was a child an LP that included that, and it was a revelation. It really was, and I, like you, listened to it over and over and over again as I was doing my homework each evening. Um, who then are your choral composing idols? I love the music of Ivo Antonini. Um, and I, I think I was mostly exposed to this from the University of Houston. Um, Stephen Paulus, again, uh, or he, his music as well is just um, so lush and, and I just... Uh, find so much joy in singing it or conducting it. Um, it can be so simple and yet so um, advanced at the same time. It's it's really intriguing that way. For my one of my final recitals as a doctoral student at the University of Houston, we performed one of his pieces, and um, it was it was a real honor uh, to uh, I, I had the opportunity to collaborate just a little bit or correspond rather with uh, the poet of, of the piece. And, um, and to learn a little bit more about Paulus through the eyes of, uh, of his own collaborator um, was, was wonderful. Tell us about even Tonini. You know, we got the opportunity to meet Antonini uh, in Italy when we traveled there uh, for the European Grand Prix. And, um, mm. you know, he's, he's published with a lot of uh, publishing houses, but one in particular is uh, Houston-based Alliance um, publications. And uh, it was so wonderful after having taught much of his music in uh, high school where I worked and singing it as well in uh, the concert chorale at the University of Houston uh, to finally get to meet him. He had traveled from Sweden uh, across the border to come and hear one of our concerts. Uh, where we were singing one of his pieces, and uh, a very genuine person, and uh, such a, a lovely person. And in terms of goals for your career, for yourself and your career 
from this point on? You've you've started teaching now at uh, Brightliff University, as we said. And what would you like to do? What is on that sort of professional bucket list? That is a great question. Um, you know, I always look to the future. I always think of, you know, what, what do I want out of my career? Um, and, you know, there may be a few goals um, and aspirations that I kind of tuck away in my heart. And I think maybe one day uh, that could be a possibility. For the time being, the position I have now is just such a, a, a great one for me. And, and uh, it's, it's so enjoyable. Talking to you, it's quite obvious that for you, that choral experience and choral conducting, it's a vocation, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. Um, and uh, the passion to, to promote this by teaching the younger generations and by, um, you know, promulgating the choral vocation through younger voices and, and hopefully being able to inspire, um, you know, students like I was to follow a career uh, in music and to make a difference in their own lives and in their own world um, is certainly something uh, that has been given to me. Um, you know, the, the opportunity to work with the chamber cho choir, for example, um, you know, that was somebody reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know, I want to help you. I want to. I want to get you jump started. I want to. Um, I want to learn from you. I want to teach you. I want to uh, give you this opportunity. And so, uh, for me to be able to pass that on to somebody else uh, or many other people in the future is definitely one of the reasons that uh, that I am so passionate about choral music. And you said when you started at uh, at uh, BYU Idaho you thought you were going to be a communication major uh, and then realized that it was music that you wanted to do. But, but really, it seems to me what, what really makes your heart sing is that is communication. It's the musical communication, but it's also the, the sort of the interpersonal communication that a choir brings. That's, I, I would have to agree with that, Sinjin. I think the, the opportunity to work with human beings um, and to learn from them and to grow with them. Um, you know, for me, it is a music is the vehicle, um, but I always am thinking of the individual, of, of the person, you know, that, um, you know, of the student that, that needs a bike to be able to get around uh, town or the, the student whose father just passed away and, and needs a, an extra hug or an extra encouragement. Uh, you know, these are opportunities. Um, and you think about it, you know, as, as choral conductors in education, we've, we, we typically see some of the same students for four years at a time. You know, they enter as freshmen and then we get to see them grow, whether you're at a high school or a college or a middle school, you know, they typically will enroll year after year and you really have the opportunity to get to know people and get to know their families and understand them and encourage them and see them grow and see them become somebody that they wanted to become. And uh, for me, that truly is a, a great passion of mine to, uh, to reach out and to, and to be with people and to um, you know, encourage them and, and be their cheerleader. 
It's almost like you're a guidance counselor. <laughs> it sure is. And, and isn't that true of so many educators around the world who are, yeah. you know, every day uh, going to school and, uh, and, you know, they take the product that they're given and they see what they can do with it to make it a little bit better. And that product is a person, you know, that, that is a human being that, that uh, comes to your classroom with different uh, struggles and with, with a different backpack, if you will, than, uh, than any other student in the school. So um, there's so much um, that educators do for, for our world and for our communities. And um, it's just so, so important to reach out to individual people and try to help each individual person. Look, Brian, it's been lovely to talk to you and to hear your story. And I'm so glad that the, uh, the Houston Chamber Choir was able to give you so much in terms of your, your professional development and satisfy so much of your love for choral singing and choral conducting. Best wishes for the remainder of the semester and the academic year at Briarcliff University. And thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you to you, Sinjin, and to the Houston Chamber Choir. Okay, stay safe. And thank you to everybody who supports the Houston Chamber Choir as a sponsor, as a patron, as a viewer. Uh, we appreciate all that you do to help us spread the word about choral music. I'm Sinjin Flynn. This is Behind the Music. Please join us again next time. The Houston Chamber Choirs with One Accord is your one-stop shop for choral joy. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us to continue our mission to grow the esteem and appreciation of choral music by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to our content. As a 501c3 nonprofit, support from listeners like you allows us to continue to create new and exciting programming. For more information about us and how you can support our work, please visit HoustonChamberChoir.org give.